Hello, everyone. Welcome to another extra sick episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, the one and only Star Wars podcast. I am joined today by my very, very luscious co-host, Corey Loses. How are you doing today, young man? Luscious. Uh, hmm. I mean, it's not effervescent. It's not but... effervescent, but I'll take it. I'll take the luscious. But Eck, I thought we already covered the Krytos virus. <laughs> Well, we covered what happened when people on Coruscant got it, but not when I got it. <laughs> hmm. I don't even... Yeah, I don't even really know what happened. Like, it was... Gus... Gus's nose was running a couple days ago. Um, now I got it, and... It's not fun. It's it's not coronavirus, I don't think. We've got three cases of coronavirus in Nova Scotia. Hopefully I'm not number four. Yeah, there's um, you, Gus, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not, but perhaps, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's not fun. We're also, uh, we're also potty training Gus this week, so it's a really fun, really fun week for me not to have much energy and be sick. Hmm. Uh, but he's already having less accidents indoors than Charlie. <laughs> I was so. going to say, it's next week, Charlie, but you beat me to it. Actually, I, I will say, today, we started his potty training three days ago, or yeah, the day before yesterday, I guess. Um, two days ago, and without going into too much graphic detail or anything, today no accidents. He learned he learned how to use the potty in two days. That's great. So, yeah, pretty proud of him, and uh, making my job a lot easier. Especially because Kelsey is very pregnant. She's thirty eight weeks right now, or she will be on Thursday. So it's mostly me running after him. Um, so if he wasn't ready, it would be a really shitty week, literally yeah. and figuratively. <laughs> so yeah, as far as that goes. Uh... We are still technically planning to do the uh, Young Jedi Knight books in order as long as you're here. Uh, yeah. But they're whatever we end up talking. I think it's lightsabers that's supposed to be the yeah. next episode. But yeah. for any of the next couple, uh, there's a good chance that we will not know when the episodes will stop for a couple weeks. But mm -hmm. we will let everyone know on Twitter at uh, TapCalf. Tran pod whatever it is the top calf transmissions twitter account yeah we should yeah we should know that I, yeah we should i'm gonna open my phone so that i know that uh, <laughs> okay i think it's tap calf podcast but I, yeah. that might not be true I, th I think that's right i think that's right oh, that's throne's revenge that's at not tap it. calf podcast so that was accurate follow at tap calf podcast t-a-p-c-a-f P-O-D-C-A-S-T to get all the tap calf updates directly into your veins. And while we are mentioning things that we should be mentioning every episode, don't forget, you can also leave this podcast a five-star rating on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Did you see if we got any new fun ratings this week? I didn't. I figured that was uh, that was going to be something we'd find out together. But yeah. I'm looking right now. Reviews. Uh, yeah, we we did get a new one, uh, a couple new ones. So we got Star Wars, Star Wars, more like Star Wars. Wow, a great Star Wars podcast, which is no surprise considering that it's the only one out there. I've never learned more about eye color either. Truly an intellectual adventure every week. Eleven out of ten. That's from Gary. Wow. Thank you. Um, we also got one from James who said, even if this podcast wasn't as epic as it is, it would not matter because this is indeed the only Star Wars podcast out there. 10 out of 10, Winter would do Akbar again. 
we got another one from Wiry Muffin who says he also gave five out of five. He says number one in Hungary and our hearts came for the war, stay the, the lore. Sorry, not the war. Um, stayed for the winter Akbar fanfic. We got a lot of new reviews actually. Um, well, thank you everyone, and make sure to leave more, and we'll read them. Yeah, probably yeah, on the podcast at some point. Yeah, we should you guys do an keep... episode of more of that. Yeah, yeah, because we've got we got a lot more uh, positive reviews. So if you guys want us to read yours out and say thank you, leave us a fun one and uh, leave us a good rating as well. With that being said, is there any news of the week you'd like to talk about before we get into the book, Corey? Uh. No, I guess just Pedro Pascal has still left the Mandalorian, which is going to make it really <laughs> awkward considering they've also announced he's going to be on season three. I guess he didn't tell himself that. So, yeah. So what's what's even the story of that? There's like, is not it, is a that story just a Grace there. Randolph it's thing just, that she it, made. Yeah, up? it's just basically bullshit where he was offset for a bit. I don't know. I don't know what the like if there was even any truth to any of it. But like, no, he he's still going to be on the Mandalorian. Like there was yeah. no way just, just more like they can just make up literally whatever they want out of nowhere and yeah. it doesn't make people stop listening to them. No. Which is fuck I Yeah, and it there will be hell to pay if this uh supposed Rebels sequel series doesn't happen because that's the one that all of the big leakers have been pointing to. Yeah. Um so yeah, well I guess we'll see about that. Um I guess the other only other news is we've been playing a shitload of squadrons. Yep. Um, we didn't win the tournament. We did well though. I'm I'm happy with our performance. Uh, we won I, three out of four commendations. Yes. And that that was that was fine. So you, Shaq, and Charlie got headsets. Me and Wasted got uh, <laughs> just blood loss on the legs. GGS. Right now I've got 80 hours in the game, which is. A little concerning, considering it came out two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't have quite that many yet, but I'm sure I'll, I'll yeah. get up there. Yeah, but, I think uh, Alex has is in a, like at 120 right now. Yeah, so, so he's a monster. All right, so let's get to the book today. We are reading the Lost Ones, Book Three of the Young Jedi Knight series. This sees our intrepid heroes move from the lush green planet of Yavin Four, moon of Yavin Four to the glitzy, beautiful, but also really shitty uh, Ecumenopolis of Coruscant. What did you think of this book, Corey? Uh, I didn't read it. Ah, shit. Okay, fair enough. Bye, no. Uh, <laughs> I definitely, I like, I think I liked it more than Shadow Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it, I like that we're getting some new characters in, some new friends for uh, Jane and Jason. More yeah, places calling 2. them 0. out on uh, just how kind of <laughs> spoiled and shitty they are in some ways. Do you but... th- do you think Kevin J. Anderson is purposely writing them as being spoiled? Because like the first scene in the book is like they're in the Millennium Falcon, they're flying to Coruscant, and uh, Jason and Jaina like to shoot at the asteroids, like as target or not asteroids, the debris from the multiple wars that have been over the planet and they're like okay let's do this and they just take the turrets with like Tenelka and Lobaka just like standing over their shoulders they don't even think of asking them if they want a chance yeah they just like, go to it I, yeah. I think it's supposed to just be about how competitive they are with each other yeah but yeah it, it 
they they don't come across as great friends in that in that part of it. But we did get a we got a lot more Loi and mm-hmm. uh, Tenelka in the last book. We get a little bit of Tenelka in this book, but Loi a little bit falls by the wayside here, mm-hmm. and it's Tenelka gets like the one chapter that's kind of about her when she like pulls the bedding off, yeah, and that was that was most of her stuff, other than just mm-hmm. being like uh, being oblivious to Jason crushing on her. Yeah, but yeah, there was another moment that re- I thought really funny too because they they're going to Coruscant partially just to visit Coruscant, but there's also this big kind of banquet there, uh, a diplomatic thing for Leia who's still chief at state at this point, mm-hmm. and um, so they've got a new friend Zach who appears in lots of books later on down the line, and it's kind of funny because one of the main sort of points in the book is that. Uh, Jaina invites Zek to this big dinner. And then I didn't realize that at that point, Lobaka and Tenelka weren't invited either. So it's like kind of rude. And then like later on, uh, Jaina, after she gets permission to take Zek, she kind of just throws it to Leia. And she's like, okay, you can ring them too. Just like these kids, man, they got the most spoiled privileged life ever. And they're totally like, they they totally don't realize how they're acting. Yeah. And like Tenel Ka is kind of in a similar position, but doesn't act the same as them. Mm. Uh, I, I guess like no one is as rich as uh, Jason and Jaina in the I galaxy. I don't know. I I don't but, know. I like. Well, I guess I, the Soldier I, is kind I, of. Yeah, I would say the Hapens are very wealthy. Like the New Republic has more wealth than the Hape the Hapes Consortium, but Hapes is like a is a monarchy, right? So. The wealth is actually in the family, whereas, I mean, I think Leia and Han are definitely loaded, but they're not like, you know, monarchy loaded. I don't think. Yeah, but like, Jason has that Karuska jam, and he just like, oh, here it go, Leia, and Leia just uh, Leia doesn't accept it. But we yeah. uh, we also know that Leia or- orchestrated the explosion of Alderaan so that she could keep all the wealth from the planet. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, that's true. Um, maybe maybe I'm just reading too much into stuff, but I feel like, like, come on, we all know what happened there, Leia. Can we all agree that Zek is basically Kip Duran 2.0? I think we can mostly agree to that. I think that's supposed to be what's setting it up for that uh, uh, message box thing at the end Mm -hmm. yeah where it's like oh is he going to be in there no it's just an actual message but i I like zach a lot more than kip i feel like there's the same like brush with the dark side thing but when you get to their actual characters i think zach is better yeah i mean zach doesn't blow up a star system yeah that i remember well he does kind of maybe sometimes but you know he goes into the bug hole with jaina which is one thing but and Zek becomes a major character, like in Legacy yeah. of the Force and Fate of the Jedi and Swarm War. Like he's he's right up there, and he's Jaina's love interest in this book. And then he spends a lot of time as her love interest, especially early on in Legacy of the Force. Yeah. Um, and yeah. unlike Kip, Jag. her being Jaina's love interest is not creepy as shit. Especially when Kip is doing yeah. that, and it's not reciprocated. When there's yeah. like a fucking what twelve year age difference, and this is at the start of the Yuuzhan Vong War. Where Kip is like almost thirty, and she's only what sixteen. Yeah, it's fucking. It's, it's weird. And, like and, Kip is gross. Fuck in this Kip. book, though, we are seeing the kind of 
Well, I mean, that's because he he spent his formative years in a in a fucking mine with spiders. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Stick with the spiders. We do see the uh, the true blossoming of young love in this book, though. Um, so we've got we've got Jason, who I I, th I think it alludes to a sort of crush on Tenelka in prior books, but in this one, it really kind of makes it yeah. very clear that he's he's really feeling her because he's like dreaming about her, like well not dreaming, but he's like fantasizing about her touching his arm and like yeah, just like, stuff like I that. If I had been knocked out, that would have been great. <laughs> Why does she have to perform mouth to mouth on me? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the the Zach and Jaina stuff. It, it seems pretty one sided with Jaina yeah. having kind of like a a crush on Zach. Yeah, uh, and kind of the same thing with like Jason one sided crush on Tenelka. But yeah, I mean, we see less of Tenelka's perspective in this book. We get quite a bit of Zach. I mean, Zach might be feeling it too, but there's also the thing that he doesn't think he's worthy, like because he's basically a street urchin. Whereas Jaina and all of his other friends basically are either Jedi or nobility or both. So maybe yeah. he just hasn't allowed himself to get to that point yet. Yeah, possibly. But like we know Luke already made Tenelka or Tenelka made a joke around Luke last time. And that's something like Jason still thinks she doesn't have a sense of humor at all. Yeah. So Tenelka's got a crush on Luke at this point from the last book anyway. So like. She's very, she's very, very impressed with him anyway. Yeah. Like, he's the only one who's who's elicited any sort of emotional reaction uh, out yeah. of her whatsoever. Well, she makes a sarcastic comment to Tamith Kai next to Jason, and I thought that would get some sort of reaction, because that was basically a joke, where in, uh, oh, yeah. in Shadow Academy, uh, Tenelka, like, curb stomps Tamith Kai and almost, like, breaks her shin or something, so she's yeah. still limping in yeah. this book and Tenelka Caesar's like hey how's your how's your shin doing? how's your yeah. ankle doing yeah yeah good shit Tenelka but uh it's just so funny I just imagined her running up and just booting her in the leg then turning around and running away like a yeah like a family guy skit or something yeah so I guess we should do a quick rundown of the overall plot of the book uh before getting too deep into any of the specifics sure but Jason and Jaina they're back from their stint at the Shadow Academy and we start off on Coruscant, uh, where there's going to be this diplomatic event. We meet Jason and Jaina's friend, Zach, who we've been talking about, who's kind of like a street urchin. And uh, they're, they go to a diplomatic event that Leia's hosting with uh, with Cousin It, I think, from <laughs> yeah, the Adams family. Yeah, kind of how I imagined it. And, uh, yeah, so Zach eats the... Uh, what are they called? What are the it's just like a, But potpourri, it, essentially, is what it yeah, is. It's basically like an, an arrangement. Yeah, an inedible arrangement. Zek eats it, and then Leia starts Leia. eating it to make him <laughs> yeah. seem less uncomfortable. Uh, Jane is like, hey, that wasn't a salad. Uh, Zek gets all embarrassed. He runs off, gets kidnapped by the Shadow Academy. And uh, the, the rest of the book is spent kind of looking for Zek. And unlike yeah. the previous books where it's all resolved in the space of one book. This is the first time we really mm -hmm. get a, a two-parter, because I think in Lightsabers, the rest of the Shadow Academy arc gets handled, and we get a, we get the... Lightsabers, the I think, was my favorite one of these books as a kid, so I'm really excited to read it. Yeah, Tenelka um, said it was hands down her favorite. <laughs> you all get that, that joke next You'll get episode. that, yeah, soon. 
We also get introduced to Anakin, I think, for the first time in any of the books we've read besides for uh, Dark Empire. We see little yeah. Anakin here. Or no, he's been in... He's been in uh, the Jedi Academy Jedi trilogy Academy. as well. Like, he's been there, but he hasn't, like... It's kind of the same thing I said in the first episode of the Young Jedi Knight stuff, where, like, Jason, Jaina, and Anakin are there, but they're not really characters yet. And this is really the first place that they become characters, mm-hmm. where they have an actual personality of their own or lines of their own, and they're not just a, a blob, which babies usually are. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, or I guess Corellian trilogy, but we haven't covered that yet. In... Anakin does a lot in this book. It seems like he, him and C-3PO are always off, like, gallivanting through the Coruscant Undercity. Yeah, um, which seems totally unsafe. And why this is allowed for any of these kids is, like, Jaina and Jason, I get, because they're the main characters, so they have to have mm-hmm. something happen to them. But mm-hmm. if something happens to Anakin, it's going to be off screen. So yeah. this is just more evidence that Leia is an absolute trash parent. Yeah, she, like, checks in, and she's like, well, the kids wouldn't do anything they couldn't handle when, like, they're getting mugged, they're getting shocked. Like, the Solo kids at this point are very lucky, so is Lando, that the Imperium seems to be completely against killing people. Yeah. A lot of stunning at this point. Yeah. Uh, including Akbar. Like, okay, I'm, how do you not realize that's Akbar? You shoot Akbar, you've, you know, you've, that's a pretty serious blow to the New Republic. Yeah. Uh, Why is he on a Navy? fucking weapon shipment? Run. yeah like, what is akbar doing there yeah that was a little odd like you'd think maybe he would be escorting it in like the galactic voyager or something but you know he, he's flying the thing that's just like imagine like some high-ranking like general or admiral in the real world navy or army like driving a uh, transport truck it's like mm-hmm. get on like <laughs> someone get me my hat <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. There's probably truckers to listen to this podcast. I I think it's, I always wanted to be a trucker, so I don't know why I'm why I'm teasing. Mm-hmm. Listen to so many Star Wars audiobooks. <laughs> so jealous, Justin. So yeah. I don't. One of my first notes is like really early on in the book, where uh, they're talking about Zach really knowing the uh, the Coruscant underworld, and Zach says, "I've had plenty of practice. Some of us don't take regular trips off planet to go to diplomatic." functions all the time i have to amuse myself yeah. with what i can find like zek is clearly bitter as fuck already yeah uh, so it it's not a surprise that brackus was able to get him to no. believe or to go along with some of the shadow academy stuff that easily but it seems like he's still like that zek still is like oh i'm gonna make something of myself there and come back and you're all gonna be proud of me based on his message he doesn't quite understand yeah he doesn't like, want to understand what falling to the dark side really entails <laughs> well it's still like these are the people that kidnapped your friends even if you're kind of annoyed at them it's like yeah, yeah maybe you'd never got those opportunities in the new republic yet but like now they know you're uh you're force sensitive just maybe have one conversation with luke and be like yeah uh testing is hard there's billions and trillions of people in the galaxy yeah and uh yeah now that we know you want to come have a lightsaber and be a, be a mean, young jedi knight he he gets him at a vulnerable moment, I mean, like... Yeah. So he gets him when there's no one there to tell him that, so... Yeah. Like, but they act like they didn't kidnap him, or... It's because uh, Brackus is so handsome. That is true. Brackus, we learn, is very handsome. I've seen well, we pictures knew that. of the guy. Uh, yeah. He looks like he's a member of NSYNC. A specific member of NSYNC. Really? Yeah. So... I'll have to look that up later. 
Um, we also learn in this book, as I've kind of hinted at in the title, that, well, we learned last time that the Shadow Academy is being run by a, a great master uh, off in the distance. Um, even though the Shadow Academy seems to be pretty small, because that one shipment of weapons is like, seem to be kind of a major, major boost for them. But, um, yeah, it's supposed to be Palpatine. Palpatine is is returned. Bracus is talking to him. He believes he's communicating with Palpatine. Uh, we get a direct reference to his death at Endor, and then his death again during um, Dark Empire. But, yeah. We'll learn more about that soon. But, spoiler alert, it's not actually Palpatine. It's, it's uh, a recording. It, it's sort of similar to what goes on with the, uh, the, the Triumvirate and the Thrawn duology. Yeah. Um, where that's, although I think that's a bit more interesting, but, uh, yeah, like this is just edited recordings essentially, right? I think so. so yeah. Like how stupid is Brachus? At least Flim was there in the Hand of Thrawn duology to trick people and like you had tears yeah. giving him the actual information, but this is just like. Flim is also really good at bullshitting as well. Like he just nails it a few times. Like there's a couple occasions where like. He'll be pretending to be Thrawn, and, like, he'll have to actually issue orders, and he kind of nails it. Yeah, like, with this, I I kind of left this book with the impression, or, like, the Shadow Academy arc, with the impression that, like, Brackus is the kind of person that would fall for the spam phone calls that, <laughs> like, there is a complaint on your social security number. Oh, God, no. Please call and give all your information to the FBI at this private phone number, <laughs> and... Like, come on, Brackus, yeah. you, you're an idiot. Yeah, he's he's not nailing he's not nailing it. I mean, he also served under Queller, so like his, I'd say his yeah. judgment's probably not the best. Um, That's true. Yeah, but but like, if you saw Queller, wouldn't you think like, hey, that's some armor I can get behind? You look like the evil guy in Fairly Odd Parents. I mean, he does have that cool mask. It's like the the death mask or whatever. Yeah, the, he he looks like the evil guy from Fairly Odd Parents. Um, I think it's Fairly Odd Parents. I remember the uh, the end of the New Rebellion. I'm pretty sure it just doesn't it end up with like millions of droids being blown up, <laughs> or like they have to be disassembled or something. Because like the whole the whole plot of that is yeah, all the droids in the galaxy have like bombs in them. Uh, I haven't finished. That oh, sorry, so, sorry for spoiling it for you. Yeah, he. It is the fairly odd parents film. I'm gonna, on my end. I'm gonna put up a picture of that. But yeah, that's fairly odd like. parents film. If you just look up fairly odd parents evil guy, uh, I forget what his name is. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Cute. Wow, it looks just like him. It yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it's not. Yikes. Not good. Not good. So, let's talk more about about Zek, I guess. Um, how do you feel about him as a character? Do you think he's a good addition to the four we've got so far, or is he too much of a cliche? I mean, e eating the uh, eating the the arrangements at a fine at a fine diner is like that's like that's a comedy staple of the uh, unsophisticated person trying to be sophisticated. Yeah, but that's also a deep-seated fear I have. So I <laughs> I 100% identify with like or places that put like a garnish on the dish. You're not yeah. supposed to eat that. Like why would you put something you can't eat on the dish? 
And this is something that Gordon Ramsay feels very strongly about. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate Gordon Ramsay for his strong stance on this. And mm. I, like, I, I can understand where Zach is coming from with this. Maybe it's a bit cliche, but there's a reason for that. And it's because it is a terrifying thing to expect to go through or to be mm-hmm. afraid that you're going to go through. And my response to that fear has been to never eat a salad. So <laughs> I, I got to say too, the, the, the solo kids aren't very cash money about, about it. Like they don't handle yeah. it very well at all. No, Leia, Leia gets points for, for what she does here. Yeah. But, uh, and the ambassador's like totally in on it too. It's like that thing you did where you ate the table decorations. Yeah. That was pretty great. Jaina leans over and she goes, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> and he's I mean, like, oh. I feel like that's what I'd say as well. Like, she didn't just announce like, hey, look at this idiot. <laughs> Get a load of this. <laughs> but I guess it's, they're, they're kids as well. Like, Yeah, I, I would absolutely respond the same way. Like, if you, like, I, I can see both sides of this where I would be terrified of doing that. But if I saw someone doing that, I would absolutely be like, Hey, why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, not a. They're they're kids, like they're they all have their insecurities and stuff, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um. My other note was there were a lot of references to. I like the mirror st- uh, station in this because that was a staple of uh, Wedge's gamble. Yeah. And we even get reference to the uh, was it an Ozel that worked in the station, I thought. I think it was either I think it was Anita. Okay. Varth Nita or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they mentioned that like it's the working in the orbital stations on Coruscant was a punishment for um like poorly performing Imperials. And that's basically what happened to Lorth Nita, except he didn't he wasn't necessarily poorly performing, but he was related to the other Nita. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought, he I thought that was shame a, onto his family. Yeah. I thought that was a, a nice uh, connection there. Yeah. There was, uh, on the topic of Leia's parenting in that scene with uh, with Zach at the table, like, we get the point after where Leia uh, is going to be finalizing some diplomatic talks, but she tells them, like, no, I've just realized I need to spend tonight with my kids. It's like, that's the first time you've ever had that thought, isn't it? I guarantee, like, somebody else called off the talks. She's like, those kids aren't going to check. <laughs> those kids ain't checking. And then she just, she goes with it. Like, those kids, the, the kids, I was just thinking when I was potty training Gus this week, like, do you think Leia and Han potty trained Jason, Jaina, and Anakin? No, no Winter C-3PO did. did. Winter, yeah, Winter and C-3PO. Yeah, and everything probably, they learned from a parental figure, it was Winter or C-3PO. Probably Daddy Akbar a little bit, too. Yeah, well... Akbar, if you're getting learn, if you're getting trained in anything by winter, Akbar is going to be there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he is. Getting trained in something. Okay, that's kind of weird. Um, it is kind of weird. I don't know if there's there's honestly not a whole lot that I want to talk about for this book. I mean, it's fun. It's nice to the chorus Coruscant's kind of portrayed very similar to how it was in pretty much everything that's come before it at this point it's still big but like the underworld is like something that the kids can explore like in a day kind of yeah whereas like Coruscant in the Clone Wars or like Coruscant in how it's been a kind of showed after the prequels it's like thousands and thousands of stories where it's like 
In this book, it's like you go down a ladder and you're pretty much there. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there is a lot. There isn't a lot that ends up being resolved in this book, so it is a bit difficult to say too mm-hmm. much about any of it without finishing lightsabers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a few things that I thought were kind of weird, like the going back to uh, the. I think they see the Bothan, who was also in, uh, who was in um, Jedi Academy Two, uh, the one who's was the Tauntauns. Mm, yeah, they they went on like a family ski trip in this. And there's yeah. the Tauntaun riding. But uh they're so Peckham when he's up in the mirror station, uh his entertainment system doesn't work up there. So he's basically sitting there up sitting there alone for like twelve yeah. hour shifts with yeah. literally nothing to do. Because yep. it just sounds like a both a tedious job and a job where there's not actual much actual input you need to do. You're just sitting there all the time. You touch a button, uh, like move the mirror one degree, yeah. the computer doesn't do it. Yeah, so uh, Jaina and Zek basically promised to uh, look into fixing that for Peckham, and they they'd passed a shuttle that had crashed in the underside of the city. And they the kids all they're they're what thir- twelve we determined maybe ish, and they see mm-hmm. this skeleton sitting in the lambda shuttle. Oh yeah, and it's like hey look guys a dead person <laughs> he's rotted. <laughs> like, yeah. this is this is not weird to you. Have how many skeletons have you seen? I mean, Yavin is pretty spooky. Like, there's definitely That's, some skeletons on on Yavin, but but they yeah. haven't seen that many dead people. It's like this is a this is a human skeleton in this shuttle, and the the They're important takeaway for this though happy go lucky. I I guess That's just creepy, creepy go fucky, <laughs> but creepy go fucky. Jaina is like promising to look at that shuttle. Get the yeah. uh, what is it called? A central multitasking unit. Yeah, and get that from the shuttle to the station. And I was just thinking about like what the real world equivalent of this would be, or that's basically mm. a CPU. Yeah, and this would be like if you found a shitty laptop from 1996 in the garbage. <laughs> this is like a hundred year old shuttle, is what they're saying. So it's not a lambda, but <clears throat> uh, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna pull it out of there. It's like getting that. 1996 laptop cpu shoving it in like your smartphone like mm-hmm. oh yeah it does the same thing plug it into this vital uh piece of infrastructure around coruscant <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're that was a little weird um there's, there's a few things about this book too um that are kind of strange did you notice that like there's a lot of part of this is probably because i'm reading it on ebook and it's it's not really formatted 100% correctly, but did you ever feel like some of the transitions between scenes was a little weird? Or, like, they'd spend... I guess there would be, like, times where they would do a lot without, like, kind of laying it out like they they would in other Star Wars books. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's partially a limitation of, like, you need to do... Uh, like a kid's Under book, a certain so. amount of pages... With a kid's book, and this actually has a lot more characters. Even if there's not as much that ends up happening, uh, because it doesn't get resolved in this book, it's waiting for lightsabers. There mm. are a lot more different sections with different characters. So yeah. each individual one feels like it gets a bit less attention than it might have gotten in Shadow Academy or Young Jedi Knights, even or uh, whatever mm-hmm. Heirs of the Force. Yeah, where like in Heirs of the Force, you got like maybe a Jaina Jason. Lowey or Tenelka chapter, but mm-hmm. in this you're going between Jaina, Jason, Tenelka once or twice, 
Zek a couple times, and there's a bunch of different stuff. Peckham even. Yeah. Uh, and like I kind of got lost in what was happening when Anakin, yeah. Jason, and... Where Jaina uh, goes up to the station, you mean? Yeah, it was like... Jane, yeah, me too. Oh, like, I thought Jaina was in on this as well. Yeah. Like, no, Jaina's up at the station. But uh, I think that's kind of what that's coming from. Yeah, that, that confused me too. I thought Jason was with them, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess not. Um, I also, as an adult reading a children's book, I'm frustrated about how vague they are with all the ship stuff. Hmm. They were like, a New Republic fleet. I'm like, tell me what's in there. <laughs> well, it sounds like a fleet in this book is like three starfighters. Yeah. Because Quarrel, when they get those hyperdrives and the weapons, like, what if we just put this on some of our fighters? We'll have, we'll have so many spacefaring light speed vessels. I'm like, no, that's three Tie fighters, dude. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they've got one thing too is they describe like the star fighters having turbo lasers on them, bristling with turbo lasers. But it was like talking about Starfighter. Yeah, I I don't know if that was, just, but it's like Kevin Anderson, so like. I wouldn't yeah, expect him to screw that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's like, there's a, uh, when they find the shadow Academy, cause the shadow Academy is able to cloak and it's basically sitting in Coruscant's orbit. Yeah. Uh, and Jaina sees the fighters from it. And that's what kind of tips her off. Yep. She has like this paragraph about how she studied all the Imperial fighters with Han and she'd recognize them anywhere that those are short range fighters. Like, it's are a TIE just, fighter. Are they just TIE fighters? You've yeah. looked in the entire historical back catalog of the Empire to be familiar with the fucking TIE fighter? Come on, Jim. Yeah, and it's like, it's it's basically like everyone's been looking at this information. No one's spotted anything weird. And then Jaina and then later Lobok are like, oh my god, we just figured something out. And it's <laughs> like the fact that if there's TIE fighters, there's got to be a, a cruiser or something somewhere. <laughs> we watched episode four. Yeah. It's like, is, like, New Republic Intelligence on vacation today? Yeah, there was one other thing that was kind of weird with uh, Asteroids. established <laughs> lore. Where, like, was Coruscant not established as being a core world yet? Because, like, it was in the X-Men Yeah, that was weird. Was, yeah. But I, yeah, where they're talking about uh, where Cosmid is yeah. from. And they're saying, they're on Coruscant right now. So this is the perspective we're looking from. Where they say... Out beyond the Hapes Cluster, near the core systems, his mother answered. Which would be, like, right where Coruscant actually is. Yeah, so, like, if you're in the core, Hapes would be up here. I'm trying to do it for the perspective of my webcam, but it's kind of, like, up into the right. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you're looking from the core. So out beyond the Hapes Sector, towards the core, would be back towards where you are. Coruscant yeah. is in the core. Like, not the deep core, it's in the core. Mm -hmm. And then Jane is like, are there still some Imperial strongholds in the core systems? It's like... Yes, in the deep core, but like you're in the core too right now, Jaina. Don't get scared about that. But yeah, well, it's pretty clear that when they say core, unless they mean deep core, because I, I think guess. in one of the books they say core is they they refer to the core as the center of the galaxy. Yeah, in one of the prior books. But like the way that it's being talked about here makes it sound like it's Coruscant. Then you go deeper towards the core, and yeah. then there's Hapes, and then you go deeper towards the core, and then there's the Imperials. But yeah, yeah Hapes is like directly it. east of Coruscant, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it's like east, maybe, maybe a little, little northeast, but it's, yeah. it's like out kind of mid rimmy but yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah. As far as that goes. And that would have been established already as well. Yeah. Like we're not like that was not... back or that was Wedge's game or like pretty much the earliest X-Wing books. That was a thing. Although now that I'm 
thinking about it, I think we might have some of this backwards because Wedge's Gamble actually came out after this book. Did it? Yeah. Were all the X-Wing books after this? So maybe it wasn't established um, at all. Yeah. But I thought Thr- even the Thrawn trilogy, didn't it have Coruscant as in the core? Yes. The core thing, I, I was I was thinking mostly about the, the, the orbital satellites as well. Okay. I was thinking that that was taken from um, X-Wing, but really, I guess it was the, it was the other way around. Hmm. Which is interesting. But Hapes would have been in uh, courtship, and that came yeah. before this, I'm pretty sure. I think that was 94. Maybe not, though. Yeah, 94. It's such a weird timeline, because it's in this era especially, you've got Thrawn first. We've talked about this a bunch of times. you get got Thrawn first, and then you get a bunch of stuff. Thrawn first in release period, but kind of far along, like 9 ABY, and then after that you get lots of the earlier stuff, and then this came out in 95, so still pretty early. Or was Thrawn 92? I think it was 92. Yeah. So then you get all of this stuff. This is like in the 20 ABY, then you got stuff in between, so it's all kind of weird from a timeline perspective. And then you've got like the X-Wing books, which are set very early on and are very kind of um, important parts of the universe. Yeah. But are, and are, and are fan favorites, but are actually kind of late compared to some of these books when they were written anyway. Yeah. Uh, one of my other notes is like, there's... The thing, I was kind of referencing it earlier, but when Zek is talking to Brackus mm-hmm. about, uh, like, Brackus was saying, oh, you, or Zek was saying that Jane and Jason were tortured, uh, kidnapped and tortured by Brackus. I don't know how, if I agree necessarily with the torture characterization. Uh, Maybe the, the only, the knives. I guess, Lobaka was definitely tortured. Lobaka was tortured, yeah. Jane I and Jason, not as when much. When they were forced to fight each other. Yeah, I guess that's kind of yeah, but uh, but yeah. So like Brackus is saying that uh, he wished he could show him the Shadow Chaser, but Luke Skywalker took it when he charged in here to capture our trainees, Jason, Jane, and Lobog. Like, yeah, come on, dude. Like, I know you're trying to kind of bring Zek in as like, oh, we we were the victims, but like, really, is that the the tactic you're gonna take with that of like claiming that it was actually Luke who kidnapped Jaina and Jason? Well, I mean, it is kind of smart because he probably sees Luke as, like, similar to Jason and Jaina. Like, they're, like, these prissy, like, overprivileged, you know, people who don't understand what he's going through, you know? Yeah, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna take that approach and try to push him more towards thinking that, like, why take such an obvious, like, I I get trying to, like, skew the perception of it, but why take something of, like, no, Jaina and Jason definitely didn't want to be there. Yeah. And they were happy they got rescued by Luke. So yeah. why classify like why present that as a as Luke coming and kidnapping them? Like, yeah, come on. No, you're you're right on that. Um, no, that, that that is a good point. Uh, what else did I have for notes? There was there was one other thing from that uh, kind of conversation where. Zek is so the lost ones, the titular lost ones, which almost never come up in this. Mm, yeah, uh, are a. About them. Uh, they're like they're miscreants, a, a street runaways gang on Coruscant. Yeah, kids largely. Yeah, and they want to recruit Zek. Zek doesn't want to join them, but then Brackus kind of wants to use Zek to bring them into the Shadow Academy, where they train any of the Force sensitives. Which maybe there's one or two. 
yeah. uh, and everyone else gets to join the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zach tells Jason and Tenelkaw when he gets confronted by them because he's down there doing the recruiting with Jason and Tenelkaw. Find uh, Zach says anyone who don't have any who have talent will be recruited in the Imperial military forces, uh, or rather, anybody who joins us but doesn't have the talent being able to act like use the force use the force yeah will be recruited into the imperial military forces given responsibilities and a chance for advancement in the second imperium mm-hmm. uh and jason says oh zek those are all lies designed to lure you into dropping your guards like is anyone really thinking that joining the second imperium's military is this big great thing yeah like, i mean they're not lies that <clears throat> they'll let you do that you don't want to do that yeah like the shadow academy is a bit more I can get why people would fall for that, especially someone yeah. like Zek, because it is kind of alluring to lo- to learn your Jedi powers and everything. But like yeah. joining the Imperial military is becoming a stormtrooper. Everyone knows what that means. <laughs> but yeah. that being said, we're getting to the point where the characters featured in this novel were born pretty long after the end of the Galactic Civil War, or n- not the not the f- the end of the rebellion, I guess, or the end of the Empire being the major party. So like. Jaina and Jason, they never lived under Imperial rule, so Zack never lived under Imperial rule, so maybe I guess yeah. he doesn't know exactly what it means, but... But Brackus is even talking about how they're, like, not very militarily, meh, militarily powerful. So, like, yeah, I get why, like, maybe Zack would want to go and learn to become a Jedi of some kind, but then for the other ones, it's like, you're just gonna get shot by the New Republic. This yeah. is a bad idea for you. <laughs> Yeah. So, how how is this is the second Imperium tied with the rest of the Imperial Remnant at this point? Uh, not really, because this would be when Dalla is uh, reuniting the replacement warlords, I think. Mm-hmm. And so the fake Emperor thing probably wouldn't fly with her. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it doesn't seem like they have the support of many others. So I think the Second Imperium was basically, at most, a couple worlds in the Shadow Academy. I don't think it was tied to the Imperial Remnant itself. Yeah. Because this would be after the Pelian Gaverson Treaty as well. So mm-hmm. Pelian isn't signing off on any of this shenanigans against uh, the New Republic. Maybe, maybe Dala would be with leading the Warlords in the Deep Core. But I don't think Pelion is like maybe there's some like ties between them and the moths where some of them are funding that. But then they would also have to know that that's not actually Palpatine or they would be mm-hmm. going for it and they're not going for it. Yeah. So I don't know how exactly it got retconned because this would obviously none of that would be established by the time these books are being written. That was all later source books usually. But I don't think there's much connection between them and the actual Imperial Remnant. Yeah, I mean, part of it is just Bracca seems to be an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the main takeaway from this, is Bracus is an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And we get that lots. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how did you feel about the book compared to, like, to compared to Heirs of the Forest and Shadow Academy? Hmm, I really like this one. I think thought it was fun to go on Coruscant. Um, I like this more than book two, but I'd say book number one still slightly inches it out. Yeah, um, I think for me, like, Lightsabers is going to be the best of the four so far. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I definitely agree with that. Because um, that, that's the one I remember most as a kid, and that one's really fun. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still such an enjoyable read. You can sit down and crush it in, you know. An hour tops. An hour, two hours, yeah. It's 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 a fun read. It's pretty simple. Um, but they do a good job with the characters, especially, you know, it, it, it's a kid's book, but it's it's certainly readable as an adult. I get lots of questions like, do you recommend these books? We, we I think we answered that last time. Personally, I do recommend it. You've got to kind of know what you're getting. This isn't the Thrawn trilogy or Plagueis or whatever else, um, but it's still enjoyable, especially if you do have some uh, bit of nostalgia with it. Yeah. Like, I... Even if you don't, like, if you are looking to read any of the later books, like New Jedi Order, uh, I think they're worth the price of admission, basically. Yes. Like, the time you put in to read these books, with the extra context you'll get for reading some of the later stuff, I think it's worth yep. it. Because you are, at most, talking, like, an hour each, two hours each. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some that you end up skipping, but they're... If you even just read a couple of them and get some more yep. information on, like, where... Jason, Jason, Jaina, Loey, Tenelka come from, then I think it, I think they're definitely worth reading, even just book yeah. one and then see how you feel about them. Uh, they're unfortunately hard to find. Is yeah, they problem, are, but and they uh, don't have e versions. Um, maybe yeah. once we read the all of them, we can give a kind of recommendation of uh, which ones are required, which ones are maybe, and which ones are skip. Yeah, if there are any skips, I don't know, but yeah. uh. Yeah, that's all I've got for today. Should we read a few emails and... Yeah, we'll pop through a few emails uh, and then we've got squadrons in half an hour. Yeah. Um, okay, let me just open up the... I should have done this a few seconds ago. The tab. We got lots of emails today, actually. We did. Um, we even got like two or three while the podcast was going on. Yeah. Um, the first one's from uh, Kaylee or Cal... Or, sorry, Caleb, um, my mistake. And I think we'll answer his question later. He says, are these four Red Guards explains anywhere since we're told in Crimson Empire that Karnor Jax basically kills all the Red Guards, except Kirk Kanos? I mean, I don't know if he kills all the Red Guards. He kills, like, a majority of him when they have that sort of, like, meeting. Um, yeah. But that's a good question. I don't think they're explained anywhere. Um, yeah, I think they're just off doing other stuff. Like, they're not part of the Crimson Empire area the yeah. main empire area yeah because they're probably coming from the deep core if they're doing this but yeah. like maybe they just split off after palpatine's death at uh yeah i mean Biss. because one thing is too from what i remember a lot of the imperial guards that were killed were ones who were still really loyal to palpatine so maybe mm -hmm. that's why they weren't there yeah because these guys are probably not super loyal to palpatine <laughs> if they're taking his name and voice recording Yes, exactly. Uh, then we got another question from David, who says, Hey, Corey and Justin, first off, thank you for all the content you put out. I'm a big fan of both your channels. Uh, do you have any plans to cover the Republic Commando series in the future? So basically our plans are to cover everything. It's just a matter of when we get to it. Yeah, I think uh, we may have got that last time. Yeah, maybe. Um, Got intention-grabbing opinions, some sort of spam here. Um... We have Maeve with a few questions about Zek. Uh, do you think Zek was a character who was planned from the very beginning of the series? I think probably. Uh, I've seen some readers express the suspicion that he was only added at the last minute to make the Shadow Academy arc more personal to the Solo Twins and give them emotional investment. But if you remember the abrupt non-introduction of Karana T and Dorsk 81, it seems 
Kevin J. Anderson has a habit of dropping in secondary characters. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this was probably one longer story that was kind of split up, at least the individual arcs. Um, yeah. And let's see. She also mentions that there is kind of a discongruent. Is that a word? Discongruity? Incongruity? How do you say that word? Discongruency would be... Discongruence would be probably the... Between uh, the Solo family and Zack. And I do, you do kind of see that a little bit. Like, especially with Leia in this book, the, the Solos are always kind of portrayed one way. Um, or at least they're explained as being one way. And she also mentions how Han is supposed to be a loving husband and devoted father. But then he spends years away from his children and would rather ski with Kip Durin. Um, yeah, there are definitely uh, discrepancies there. Um, and the Solo family could have definitely done a lot more to help Zek out. And you've kind of got to decide for yourself whether you think that's writing on purpose or an oversight by Kevin J. Anderson or just the simplicity of a uh, children's book. Yeah, like, I think there's definitely a disconnect there for all of those characters but i think it, it's getting to like the specifics of what comes out versus the core of who they are where it still mm -hmm. works uh where like for the han thing for example like yeah han runs away a lot but if you get to the core of who he is he still does value his family that much and part of mm -hmm. why he runs away for example when chewie dies is because chewie kind of fits into that core for him and it's something that leia actually talks about with jason and jaina and anakin after chewie dies when han's out running around the galaxy where it's like to han luke and leia and the kids and chewbacca even always seemed like these immortal impenetrable people even if he was always feeling like he needed to protect them and then when that was proven not to be true that there was something that could kill them and that he couldn't stop it that kind of just broke him Mm -hmm. uh and i think with zek even you get the thing where like uh he is really reliable but then he goes off and does this but you do get the explanation of like uh zek thinking he's doing this to kind of prove that he's worthy of being with them mm -hmm. uh so from zek's perspective he's already let them down by being who he is and he thinks that the way he can really make this up to him to them is by being uh uh by going and becoming a dark Jedi and then coming back mm -hmm. and being like, hey, look, this is me now. And I know that's not the example for Han that you were talking about. No, uh, I know what you mean, though. The Kip stuff, but that's kind of... I think it's coming from a similar place. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. No, and the a... kids weren't around at that point already. And I think that's... Because we actually talked about this last time with uh, Children of the Jedi, where I think we both came to the conclusion that, like, no, Han actually gives way more of a fuck about their kids than Leia does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Leia's busy, but there's definitely a bit of a bit of a disconnect there. So that's that's a great question. Thank you very much, Maeve, for those ones. Um, Joel has an interesting question. What do you think? I'll basically distill it to kind of one sentence. Do you think the expanded universe will be remembered? The Legends expanded universe that is will be remembered in ten to twenty years. Now that new canon is uh, is kind of the way a lot of people are being introduced to the Star Wars EU. Uh, I think that 
there's going to be there's a lot more transfer between the two universes than a lot of people kind of think we're like for a lot of people who are maybe just who are, if you're really deep into it you'll probably be like oh i like this universe over the other one but mm-hmm. if you are just like a casual star wars fan that wants to see a star wars story a lot of people may read for example like alphabet squadron or lost stars and they're like oh i like this i'm gonna read more go mm-hmm. to their bookstore go on amazon go on the google play store whatever audible.com uh <laughs> And they'll be like, oh, look, this is this other highly rated Star Wars book. I'm going to read or listen to that. It's the Thrawn trilogy. And -hmm. like, sure, they're not in the same continuity. But for a lot of people, they don't give a fuck about that. It's just Star Wars story that they want to read. They don't necessarily care about like, oh, this is part of this continuity, but not part of that continuity. A lot of it's still available. With these ones, it's not like with the Young Jedi Knights, they're not actually that available. But that's been the case for a long time. And it's just a printing thing. But... Uh, I don't think there's really that much of a danger of them like going away entirely as long as there's some interest in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that when it comes to like the Thrawn trilogy, but I think the Bantam era books are going to continue to kind of fall into obscurity, sadly. Yeah, but that um, that was kind of already the case. Even yes, exactly. Uh, like I feel like when you're talking about it as a canon versus legends thing, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of obscures the point there of like it's more of a publishing issue with those uh especially with these mm. where it's availability rather than uh the yeah. fact that they're canon or not canon uh or in some cases it's also a quality issue where quite frankly there are some bantam era books specifically that are not good yeah and... i guess my my point is that like even just having books with zek in them which would be the case if you know like i'm sure zek would have made appearance in the sort of the jedi series like mm-hmm. that kind of indirectly does keep these books alive somewhat i guess um, yeah but i i do agree that the, the sort of decline not the it is a decline in popularity and sort of falling into obscurity a little bit would yeah. have happened regardless but that's why we started the only star wars podcast to talk about books like this um yeah yeah and we spend some time ragging on the ones we don't like like uh children of the jedi and that certainly doesn't help I don't think there's anyone who would have found Children of the Jedi and been put off by it. It deserves to have people put off. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. There. Um, let's read the next. Do you have an, the next email written or pulled up? Uh, I think it's Vince next. Yes. We kind of discussed this a bit in. Um, I think I know your answer to this. Um, this is from Professor McCoy, as he uh, he terms himself. He asks whether he thinks the uh, it's possible that Palpatine was really Darth Bane all along because of the essence transfer thing. And I, I think I'll just try to just... Because we had a, probably a 30-minute th- conversation on this point when we discussed the book. I think to distill our conversation... The book does, in my opinion, leave that possibility open, um, but there's nothing that's really picked up on that. The author has straight up said that's not the case. To me, that doesn't matter what the author says afterwards. I think it's fun being ambiguous, but even if he did manage to transfer his essence on one occasion, I don't think that indicates that uh, he had transferred his power the entire time. And like with Palpatine specifically, um, like... If you're look, if you're using the legends version of the character, 
like we know that he killed his master in an unexpected way. So essence transfer in that case wouldn't have been very easy uh, for Bane to pull off. But yeah. yeah. And they're all so different yes. in how they like Bane was not a good actor. Bane was not a subtle person. Bane would yeah. not have been able to do the <clears throat> things that like Tenebris did or Plagueis especially did or Palpatine yeah. did. Yeah. And he probably wouldn't have approved of the things they did. Uh, so yeah, for sure. I feel like that's kind of the biggest argument. Like, even though I did bring up on the uh, Dynasty of Evil podcast uh, that like I mostly referenced Drew saying that, no, that wasn't what happened. But I think the biggest point for me as far as it it's not Bane was uh, that Bane was not capable of doing these things mm-hmm. and Bane would not approve of what these people did. Yep. Yep. I, I, no, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. It's, I mean, if, if you want to think that, you know, more power to you, the book sort of leaves it open, but, uh, yeah. And I uh, think as far as the, the Palpatine and Ray confrontation at the end of cross, I don't think that was meant to be like a, an essence transfer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was more meant to be like, in that moment, they were kind of the last of their lines and kind of embodied the darker light side. Yes. Uh, more than being like a, a direct spirit transfer of any kind. And on Palpatine's side, there was more of a, like, he's an arrogant shitbag. Yeah. Whereas for Ray, it was He's like, like the culmination versus, yeah. like, she's supposed to be the... All of them together were... Yeah. Where, like, yeah, the, the rest of the Jedi were, like, willingly trying to help her in some dragon ball z way yeah uh, rather than ray trying to take that upon herself yeah no i agree um the next question is from javier who asks which do you think was luckier the legends new republic or the canon new republic i think he kind of answers the question himself because in legends they've got to deal with a bunch of warlords uh the chad thron reborn emperor the yuzhan vong and then they end up being kind of dismantled anyway. And then in canon, the New Republic got rid of the Empire fairly quickly, then has 30 years of peace until they're blown up. I, I mean, I think they're the New, the New Republican canon is pretty lucky that the Empire sort of capitulated as they did. Because both factions are kind of around for a similar amount of time. The canon New Republic a bit longer, um, with a lot less bloodshed. Uh, but they also kind of made their own bed there where, like... They acted like there was no empire, but there was still, like, they knew the First Order was growing in some ways, and they knew Ray Sloan was out there. They just mostly decided not to do anything about it, and Leia decided to do something about it, and they said, hey, Leia, go fuck yourself, which the New Republic and Legends, they waited until the Yuuzhan Vong War to say that, so... But, I mean, at least they had ships. The New Republican canon had some ships as well. Then they got rid of all their ships. It's weird because, like, they've kind of dialed back the degree to which they got rid of all their ships because, like, we see a bunch of Mon Calamari cruisers at the final battle. Although it is possible that those are cruisers Mon Cala made for system defense fleets or whatever. Yeah, I think that was more what they were going for. Where, like, even though they say the fleet's been disbanded, we know that they had, like, the Hosnian defense fleet and stuff. (laughs) Where it was more, like... It seems to be more local defense fleets or like bare bones. Yeah. I forget which reference book it was. It talks about how after, because there were more fleets. The one on Hosnian Prime was a lot of their forces, but not a lot. I mean, even if you look at other, it's kind of evident when you look at other stuff too, because you see in like the Poe Dameron comics that the New Republic has military installations across the galaxy. Um, 
but I, I think it might have been one of the like oh, what are they called again i've got one right here like the visual dictionaries i think it might have been for episode eight talks about how senators basically stole remnants of the new republic fleet and brought it back to their home territory hmm. after hosnian prime so there were ships they just yeah they weren't used super well Yeah. It, it do be like that. It did be like that, and then it exploded. Yeah. Uh, we've got one more question, sort of a comment from Emilio, who's working on a big uh, project to um, kind of, cat like, I guess, talk about the politics of the Yuzhan Vong war and stuff. Uh, I haven't really checked this out yet. I should have before this video, but I'll take a look at it. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, you didn't get a chance to look at that, did you? Uh, no, I think that came out... That email came in during the podcast, so I haven't had a chance to look at it. Okay. Now. Okay. So, so we'll we will take a look later. at that later. I'm sure it's very cool. Uh, feel free to send us, as always, your fan stuff. Obviously, we're, we're not going to promise to promote it for you or anything, but I like to see, like, that Corn Horn uh, write up was really cool. Uh, and Michael Stackpole saw that, too. So, yeah. yeah. Did Troy right, Denning let's... write any Vong books? Uh, Star by Star. Oh, right. Star by, yeah, of course. So he's he's like one of the most responsive authors on Twitter. Like he'll respond to everything you tweet him. Um, so if you ever want to uh, talk to Troy Denning, message him on Twitter. And Michael Stackpole is also really good as well. Yeah, yeah. Maybe get them on the podcast someday. Troy Denning for the Swarm War. Yeah. Swarm War mega uh, episode. All three books, three hours, six hours. <laughs> Lots of bugs. You just want to get it all out of the way, don't you? <laughs> I can't imagine reading all three Dark Nest books in uh, in one week. It, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. We would. wouldn't be able to do anything else, at least. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's going to do it for this episode. We'll let Justin rest his beautiful little voice. Yeah, it's not so beautiful right now. Yeah. Before we have to stream again. Yeah, <coughs> 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 you have that. <laughs> uh, all right i'm gonna learn how to ease and complete this thanks for watching guys hope you enjoyed the podcast as always consider leaving that juicy juicy beautiful very nice epic five-star review um maybe what sh what should they throw in if they've gotten to the end of this episode and they want to leave sort of a little meme in the five-star review okay so something that's just about this episode not <sighs> Something that they could kind of organically throw into a review. I don't think it has to be just about this episode. Like a word. Well, I just mean a... something we can't be like uh, some something about like Winter and Akbar because that's every episode. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you could like put the word juicy into your review, I think yeah, that would. Just, yeah. Just say juicy at least twice. Twice. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'll be happy with one. Corey wants two. Uh, well, if people say, like, juicy, juicy, and they're just one after the other, then I'm going to give less viewer points. But if you can work the term juicy into your... Organically. Twice, organically, in two different places, if we can get some of that organic double juice, then <laughs> that's that's two tap calf points. Okay. These are not redeemable for anything of any sort of value, but, yeah. All right. Um, so thanks for watching, guys. I'm going to put the podcast... 
uh, what was I going to say? I'm going to put, yeah, put the podcast to bed. Good night, podcast. See you next time. Do you have anything you want to close with, Corey? 